day four of the trial practicum. Uh, the arguments are done, the jury's deliberating, and then this is actually Monday after day four. Uh, so the jury went into deliberations on Friday. They just returned a verdict today. Unfortunately, we were in class, so we're actually not sure what the verdict completely is. Uh, as far as I know, he was guilty of a lesser included offense, uh, but not of the originally charged offense that the uh, the prosecution had initially uh, stated their arguments for. And so I think that's where it stands at the moment. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the procedure for what happened on day four. Uh, the court opened up on the record. Uh, they confirmed the jury instructions that they were talking about the night before, and then they addressed the other motions for acquittal and that had happened uh, the day before. And they denied the motion for motions one and two, but they did grant it for the third uh, crime that was alleged or charged. And so that one was dropped, but the jury could hear ones and one and two. So after they went through all their instructions, the court staff went ahead and printed the instructions. That took about 15 minutes so that each of the jurors would be able to have a copy of the instructions several pages long. I think it was about 35 pages. And then the court went ahead and read the instructions, and they once again shared an admonition with the jury about their the importance of their role and discussing things and how all that works. The reading of the instructions took about 40 minutes, and then the reading of the verdict form took only about uh, two and a half minutes. And what the verdict form is simply saying, we, the jury, find so-and-so guilty of such-and-such. -such. Or we, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. So that's what the verdict forms are. There were, in this case, 18 verdict possibilities. Uh, for the first count, there were several uh, ending in the not guilty option. And then for the second count, there were several, again, ending in the not guilty option. And all those, the reason why there are so many different alternatives is because if the defendant wasn't found guilty of the first crime, then the jury could go ahead and consider lesser included offenses. So they went ahead and read it, and then they began the closing arguments. Uh, the closing arguments, the state has its first say because it has the burden of proof. Then the defendant goes, and then the state has another rebuttal. So for the state, their first argument uh, was 22 minutes and 55 seconds. And then they focus on the very same thing theme that they open up with. Uh, they focus on the facts. They focus on the law because the jury instructions are the law for the jury. And so those are the elements associated. And then they encourage the jury to use their common sense. So that was their theme. And then the closing statements of the defendant took 51 minutes and 29 seconds. And that was, again, just going through all the different parts of the case uh, to present evidence in one final way and give the jury an opportunity to hear, well, again, their side of the view. Uh, closing arguments, it's important to note that they are not considered evidence, but they are the attorney's interpretation of the evidence. And so the jury can choose who to believe, but ultimately it comes down to the testimony and the evidence that was admitted through that testimony where the jury makes their decision. After that, the state had a rebuttal. 
uh, for about another 28 minutes. So ultimately, the state's con- uh, time, I think, took about 50 minutes, and then the defendant's time took about 50 minutes. At that point, the jury is given additional uh, information. The court randomly selects the alternates. They literally just put their numbers in a basket and drew out two, and those two jurors were considered the alternates. Because there was no need for those jurors, they were excused. Uh, They still had a 12-person jury. So they were excused. And then what I found was interesting is that at that point, the court uh, swears in the bailiff uh, to protect both the jury and the evidence. And that is going back and forth to the jury and to make sure that nobody else is allowed to see that evidence, etc., just the jury has sole access to that. I found that a very interesting uh, information. Let's see, any other specific notes? Oh, yes, the foreperson, uh, which is the person who signs the verdict form, uh, they are selected by the jury, so they pretty much vote on who's going to be the jury, uh, the foreperson during their deliberations. Uh, That's all my notes regarding the trial. I do want to say one last thing about what I learned from trial practicum. And ultimately, there's just one main point. Uh, I'm interested in going into appellate litigation, and trial work interests me. But appellate litigation is where I think I'm leaning towards as of all the evidence that I have at this point. Everything that is argued on appeal comes from the court record. There's a court reporter there literally writing down everything that is said from the attorneys, uh, from the judge, from the witnesses, and I believe even the verdict form. So all of that is written down, and ultimately you need to preserve the record because anything that is not in the record cannot be brought up on appeal because the court has no basis no foundation from which to draw. So the court record is, in my opinion, the most important part of court procedure because it bases how things go during trial, how things go even during discovery. Depositions have a court reporter there. That way you can call back on that information at trial and have witnesses testify or be contradicted by their previous testimony. Everything hinges on an accurate court report. And you see the attorneys, oftentimes they go and discuss things with the judge that's not on the report. But if it's something that needs to be done, whether in or out of the presence of the jury, the attorneys will go back to the bench and they'll say, for the record, this, this, and that. So it's very important to preserve that record because if you have any issues that you take issue with during trial, you can bring that up again on appeal. That's what I learned. I think that's the most valuable lesson from trial practicum, at least in my opinion. It was a really good experience. I enjoyed every minute of it from start to finish. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join 
Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.